Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Forever. Welcome to another episode of Best Show Bests, the greatest hits of the best show, with me, your host, Tom Sharpling. If you like what you hear, make sure you join us every Tuesday night on Twitch at 6 p.m. Pacific for a brand new episode of The Best Show featuring callers, celebrity guests, live music, and plenty of surprises. Enjoy! On line five, I'm being told we have... A pretty exciting guest. Uh, I mean, I saw this magic show on uh, Shout Magic the other day uh, that was so amazing. And I was hooked from the get-go. Marcus Delgado's Innermost Magic, Innermost Magic was the name of the show. And this guy... Cause I like magic. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm a fan of magic. I like when somebody does something with it and shows me something I've never seen before is the best part of magic. And there were tricks that this guy, Marcus Delgado was doing that where he was picking, he was like picking random people from the audience and he's saying the most specific things about them. It was just mind blowing. And I was just, it was just could not believe didn't know how he was doing it. I was completely hooked. And so I, you know, he's actually calling in and we have Marcus Delgado, uh, on line five, I believe. Marcus, are you there? Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for, for appearing on the show. This is exciting. It's good to be here. I know we had a, had a technical difficulty last week that prevented me from actually calling, and I, I, I wanted to, to bring up something. I, I think your topic last week was about McDonald's. Is that right? Um, yes, that we were talking about different celebrity McDonald's uh, meals. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, uh, basically, I wanted to, to uh, get your, your thoughts on this. I... When I was a kid, you know how there was always these stories about someone finding, I don't know, like a mouse or something in their food and then suing the restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, and getting sure, money, sure. that sort of thing. There was this story. Tell me if you've heard this before, because it's very odd. There was a story when I was a kid about another kid finding a live elf in his shamrock shake, and he sued McDonald's, and he won. An elf. A live elf, yes. And the story went that he, he sued McDonald's and won, but then he ended up getting killed by the elf in his sleep. Wow, that's a that's a uh I I I'd never heard that one. That's an insane story. So okay, I thought maybe he, maybe you'd heard it, but uh, I guess not. I don't know. So he won the lawsuit. He won it and 
And then the did the elf kill him because of the lawsuit or just I think, killed him? I think he I think he was just a bad elf. You know, sometimes there's just bad elves. That is um that could be on a shirt. Sometimes there's just bad elves. I love it. I'm writing this down. Mm-hmm. Trying to come up with a good color scheme. Have to be green on, in, in some some uh, portion of the shirt. Green and let's just go with white because that's 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 Irish stuff, right? Yeah, and it also gives like those are the uh, colors, and um, it also gives off like a very shamrock shake uh, feel as well. It does. It does. It does. Um, but would, anyway, getting would, to would kind of honor. It would maybe honor the the dead person honoring the dead yes can't go wrong with that no no yeah so how are how are you doing marcus i'm i'm good um i heard you mention of, of course shout magic and mm-hmm. isn't shout magic fun oh the network oh my god yeah well it's it's crazy because it, it's become the hub for all things Magic, which is great. They have shows I've never even heard of. And let's face it, I'm fully ensconced in the upper echelons of the magic world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a ridiculous channel. If, if you don't love magic, then there's nothing there for you. But if you do, you could watch it all day and night. Um, all day. I don't know I how, love- deep, how deep you've gotten into it. Oh my God! Again, I've watched so much of the Presto Changeo. My ride is always is so cool when the magicians kind of turn your car using the powers of magic. They kind of transform your car and upgrade, kind of like a beat up car. They kind of, you know, it's it's always impressive to see what they do, like the lady the like a, a lot of times they're not as practical when you have like a trick mounted to the hood of a car doesn't seem very drivable but it's very impressive to see oh yeah 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 sometimes you know it, it goes kind of bad when there's like uh there was one where there's a woman being sawed in half that was mounted on the on the hood of the car and that gets, yes that gets in the way yeah, that's it's not as practical as it could be uh, in terms of uh visibility, like windshield visibility, but it's still it's a spectacle that it's fun to watch on the show. Um the wand I seen- love. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a really for people who don't know it's like a really gritty. It's like the wire but magic. With magic in it where this reporter undercovers this ring of uh the illegal scarf manufacturing you know the scarves for magic tricks that kind of you they they're employing child labor and he's trying to get to the bottom of of breaking up and exposing this ring and it gets crazy out of control and it's like there's that one scene where he was getting a little too close and the one guy was like you're getting a little too close you might just go poof very dramatic show. Have you seen the magic shop? That's my favorite. Oh my God. I love, I love that show. It's uh it's a, it's like a sitcom. It's not, it's not new, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, I guess from a little bit of a, from the archives, I guess, because Bob yeah, Denver I, 
is on it yeah, and he's no longer with us late, unless that's magic that they're filming him with the thing but i don't think so i think he's just just old i don't know if you saw that one episode where um phil specter's in it remember that one he and he plays this magician and then Bob Denver shrinks himself down like an inner space thing, and he gets inside Phil Spector, and then he eats him from the inside. It only aired once. Super oh sickening. God. That I, I've heard of it. I never caught that one. So he goes inside. He like he's like Phil Spector's an evil magician or something. Is that what yeah. it is? Yes. Yeah. His name was, oh God, it was Moorcock the the Magnificent. That was his name. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he beats him by shrinking himself down and eating his innards. Yes. From the inside. Yeah. And like I said, it was so sick. It only aired once. That's a weird one. Well, I missed it when they aired it, unless they're running the, the, yeah, I got to catch that one. I don't know. That that sounds great. I love that network. It's uh and I just want to say before we kind of get into what what you do and right. your incredible magic. Um if the listeners don't know, I just want to get them up to speed. Um you know, I did a little poking around on you Marcus. Um and I did not know before all this magic stuff, you were somewhat of a child star. Oh, no. Well, I, I, I didn't expect this to be part of the conversation, that's for mm. sure. Well, it's a part of who you are, and you really were doing well. as a, You had so many different guest slots and guest appearances on different Shout Network shows like I don't need any of this, keeping it real, zoinks. But you were also on Cheers. You were on the second to last season of Cheers. This tenth and the tenth season would have been the second to last. You were Norm's yeah. nephew Timmy. I was. I was. I can't believe you know that. Yeah. Oh my god. We do our we do our research here. You, we do our research. You, you do. Seems like a lifetime ago, I'll tell you. Um I, I don't mention it in the magic show because I want the magic to be the star, not not me. But, um, yeah, um, I was discovered in, gosh, it would have been 1989. I was eight. Uh, and basically what happened was this Hollywood uh, talent scout came to, I grew up in Boise, Idaho, uh, outside of Boise. And uh, this talent scout came to, to this Halloween pageant that was happening at the local mall and I was dressed as a combination of um, Batman, Mike Tyson, and my favorite musician, uh, Mick Mars. Oh, from Motley Crue. Yes, yeah. And um, I guess the, the scout liked how I put these these three, you know, quite disparate looks together into one confusing yet seamless package. And uh, to kind of take it over the top, I also did this short monologue from what was my then favorite movie, Fletch, which was running on, on Cinemax at the time. And people just lost their minds 
when this eight-year-old started doing the put it on the Underhills tab, Cabana scene, and, mm-hmm. and so he loved it. And and then I start like people were laughing. You know, when, when you're a kid and you first get that first shot of approval from an audience, it's like it's a drug. And then I didn't plan this, but then I started do. I'd seen the movie so much, I started doing the scene. Remember when Chevy Chase and the kid from the Waltons are driving, and he ends up going in that banquet room, and there's a big banquet going on, and, and I started doing, let's hear it for our own Fred the Dorf Dorfman, and, and hats off to his wife Marge after her stay at Trembling Hills, no more alcohol or sedatives in her life, and people were going in, just insane. And wow, wow. The, the, it was great. This talent scout just pretty much signed me on the spot, and my parents were potato farmers, literally. We had a potato farm. And so, you know, they're like overalls people, and they immediately get dollar signs in their eyes. So they pull me out of school, and they send me to West Hollywood to live with my mom's distant cousin, Denny, who was essentially the main drug supplier to half the cast of The Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. And so, but I started uh-huh. going on auditions, and I started booking stuff. I I got, uh, what did I get? Pretty much right out of the gate, uh, Kellogg's Frosted Maxi Wheats, uh, Hippie Johnny's Farm Fresh Brake Pads, uh, The Nightmare Machine, Kern Co. Candy Corn, uh, Stinky Dinks. This other toy that was made by the company that made The Nightmare Machine, this thing was called the Periscope, P-E-R. IL scope and basically kids would look into the telescope and it would show you how you're probably going to die. Pretty dark, right? That's the darkest thing I've ever heard. It is. Yeah. And and this thing did not sell well. And they yanked the commercial after, I guess like three airings. Yeah, it was not, it was, it was was not a good scene, but, um, my my big break came when I went to this Cheers audition to, to be Norm's nephew, Stevie. And George Went and I just had this immediate chemistry. And it felt like we were really related. And so I, I get it immediately. And he and I had the best time just hanging out on the set. And, you know, he's a well-known um, fan of, I guess it's, I don't know if it's still called alternative rock or not, but um, mm-hmm. he, turned, he turned me on to so much cool stuff back then. Uh, Soul Asylum, Buffalo Tom, The Buck Pets, uh, who else? I Love You, Doss Dahman, Psychotic Norman, bands like that. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, Stevie was testing so well with audiences that, you know, Kirstie Alley, she felt kind of threatened, and she ends up throwing her weight around, and she had me written out of the show after six episodes. Oh, that's terrible. Really bad, yeah. So basically, to, to kind of soothe me and my parents, the producers told us that they were going to have Stevie in the show, Cheers, go to the summer camp for child bartenders, and then they were going to shift me over to this that Shout Network show that was so big at the time. We're talking like 92, called The Reggae Kid. Do you remember that? Oh, that show was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that never happened. So I was kind of left high and dry, and I got very disillusioned. 
I think I booked one more TV gig after that. I played a young street pickpocket on an episode of Highlander, and that, that was basically it for me in acting. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel, and Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals because I don't smell them. Uh, I did dip my toe into the world of directing uh, years later. It, it was just this one erotic fetish movie called Gordon Likes Foot. Uh, it was it was light R, but th- th- that world was j- just was not for me. So I basically just kind of stopped everything in that world, and I ended up finishing school. Gordon likes foot. Yeah, yeah. That I, was my, I that was my it was my title too. Well, that's a, it's definitely. Uh, I know it's a bit of a, a, a cliche, but it's like you can't unhear that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that um I'm still recovering from that a little bit. I got to I, no, okay. I tell people that I, I tell people that story often and I, they say just what you just said like a week later I'll get a call. I can't stop thinking about that title. Yeah. Yeah. I I I can only imagine how what's going to happen to me a week from now if this is how it's feeling uh 5 seconds later. But give me a call. Give me a call. So what's that? Give me a call. I I very well might, Marcus. Um, Good. So you you did the acting thing. You dipped your toe in directing. No pun intended. I guess after that, uh, (laughs) you know. Um. But then you had a little bit of a music thing going on uh, in your early twenties. Oh my god. Man, you guys, you guys do do research. Oh my goodness! Um, when-, when I knew you, when I when I knew you might be coming on, I I wanted to be ready. I look at this as this is a this is a big deal for me. Well, well, I'm I'm very impressed, and I, I also I'm very mortified. But um, uh, look, I'll nutshell this because I, I'm here to talk about about my magic and. Yeah, you know, that's why I'm here, right? But but I'll, I'll definitely mm-hmm. tell you a little bit about that. Um, you know, my my first film role that I had was in uh, ninth. It would have been ninety one, and it was City Slickers, and I, wow. I didn't have any lines. I didn't have any lines. I didn't even have a, a name. My character had had no name, uh, but I was basically one of these kids that Jack Palance kind of shoves away and to the ground as he's trying to trying to make his way to Billy Crystal. And okay. so, also making his film debut is a young Jake Gyllenhaal. Wow. And okay. Cool. Isn't that crazy? So we, we become friends, and we kept in touch over the years, and it turned out independently of one another, we both really developed this love for this kind of music. I can't imagine you've heard of it. It's called Power Pop. Oh, no, I know, I know Power Pop. You, really? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's like bands like The Knack and The Records. Uh, who else? Um, uh, the Yes, The No, The Maybe, uh, Church Mouse Five, people like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. we we formed a power pop band. This would have been in 2001, and we were called The Zap, Z-A-P. The Zap. And the Zap. So we start doing gigs around L.A., and before we knew it, we had this manager, and this guy just kind of appeared uh, out of nowhere, and I never knew his real name, uh, but he called himself Power Pop Pop Pop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, I know that okay. name. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Oh, I, well, this guy was like, I couldn't tell how old he was. He could have been, he could have been like 40, he could have been 90. He, he wore this, like, um, kind of two big sleeveless kinks shirt, and he'd wear these really tight black jeans with Chuck Taylors. Um, couldn't tell if it was a wig or, like, a bath mat. Jet black on his head. Jet black, of course. I knew, I knew you were going to say it was jet black. Yes, jet, like, you know, there's blue black, which I guess is, like, the blackest sort of hair dye. This thing was, like... Black, blue, black. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Nick God. Nick Cave, yeah. black. Beyond Nick Cave, black. Ronald Reagan, black. Yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so I, I had no idea how this guy found out about us. It. it was like he, he had eyes and ears all over the country that would tell him about the latest power pop, and then he'd swoop it and he'd kind of claim it for his own. Mm-hmm. And so... At this point, Jake is, is already a little famous, uh, but it's, it's maybe maybe six months before Donnie Darko comes out in theaters. But it didn't really hit as a, as a cult thing until it came out on video, I think, the next year. So he was known, but he wasn't like a superstar. Sure, sure. And so, so we got a little buzz happening, and we're about to release our, our own self-released album called One Nation Under Power Pop. And it was co-produced by Paul, uh, Paul Collins and uh, a young man named Robert Rift. And these songs were so good. They were, it was just classic great power pop. And we were doing something that no one else was doing. Not only did we play power pop, and this is one idea that power pop, pop, pop did contribute that was good. All our songs were about power pop. Okay. Like, like what, what songs? Oh, God, we had, a, we had songs, uh, what were they, um, Death by Rickenbacker, uh, Appetite for Fun, Give Us the Pop, uh, My Dog Ate My Rubenews T-shirt, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Though, um, those, so, so you were just like kind of following in the tradition of just like, just give me some of that rock and roll music, like, like songs about the thing you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. The, Absolutely. The yeah. dog ate my Rubenews shirt. What was that? Uh, my dog ate my Rubenews t-shirt. It was something like, uh, you know, it's like very, and my dog ate my Rubenews t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, so then when Jake became a bigger and bigger star, we started getting these major label offers and, you know, of course, when that happens, the the wolves come out, and this old school manager named Rupert swooped in, and mm-hmm. he basically edged edged power pop 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 out 
which was a nightmare. They had this kind of showdown meeting at the Palm, and Power Pop 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 goes into this rage, and he zapped Rupert right in the neck with this thing he had called the Popper, which was basically a little Rickenbacker bass guitar that was also a taser. Okay. Wow. Thankfully, Rupert was wearing his thickest ascot at the time, and it absorbed most of the shock. Okay. But, so we're free of pop-pop at this point, and Rupert gets assigned to Interscope. Okay. Pretty big deal, right? Big, Big label, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it all went downhill for, for me from there. What happened? Well, look, Jake's a passable rhythm guitar player, and a good Pro Tools editor can piece together a semi-believable vocal take on him in like five hours. Okay. Look, I wrote 90% of the songs. I sang most of them. I played ripping yet melodic leads on all of them. So it was my show pretty much, all right? Mm-hmm. But all any, anybody wanted to talk about was Jake's band, The Zap. And as a matter of fact, the label was going to change the name to Jake Gyllenhaal's The Zap featuring Jake Gyllenhaal. Do you believe that? His name would have been in the, in the band name twice. Twice, yes. Yeah, yeah. He was all for it, of course. Oh, and cool. So, well, that's a, is a huge shocker. Right? So, Jake Gyllenhaal's The Zap featuring Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. He thought, well, my name's twice, you know, how double, double the fun, right? Mm -hmm. So I basically just say, look, I'm going to commit suicide with a lawnmower during our upcoming appearance on Leno if this happens, all right? That's what you literally said? Yes, and basically I ended up doing just that minus the lawnmower if we're talking about my music career. Sure, you really, you, you, you ended the... You what what you what happened? Well, basically, so we we play our song and it was good, uh, and it was the lead off single for our our uh, album. The song was called Yum Yum Yummy Power Pop in My Tum Tum Tummy. Uh huh. And G- we're done, and Jay motions us over to the couch, and since I'm the mastermind of, of this band and the leader, I naturally start to take my rightful place right next to his desk. But mm-hmm. right as I'm about to sit, Jay says, hey, Jake, have a seat. And he points to right where I'm about to sit. And it's so late that one of my cheeks is already in the chair. So okay. I have to kind of stop. And I moved down. And the other guy swooped in. So I'm like, I'm three guys down at this point now. From, from oh, that's the worst. Like trying to find a seat in the moment, and then you realize you're getting the worst, the worst yeah. seat. The absolute worst. And I think at one point I ended up sitting on the arm of the couch. Oh, that on a talk show, that is the kiss of death. So bad. And I was fuming. And Jay keeps asking Jay questions about being a movie star and also the leader of a band. How do you juggle it? And if you look at the footage, you can see steam literally coming out of my ears. Literally. Literally. It's, it's a real medical condition. It's called rage vapor. It's what Judge Smales had in Caddyshack. 
So that was a that was based on an actual medical condition in Caddyshack. Yes, and there's a deleted scene where Ty diagnoses him with it. Uh huh. Yeah. But that sounds like maybe it would be the the uh, like out of the rhythm of the movie. I could see why tonally maybe that might not be fun. Yeah, it, it's not in in the bonus disc. It's not even mentioned in that in that Caddyshack book of a few. Uh, um, a few years ago that he gets diagnosed with rage vapor. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very serious scene. There's no, there's no humor in it at all. I guess that's why they, why they axed it. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that, I, yeah. Wow. I got to, well, I guess that's what, that's the beauty of, of editing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So true. So, so Jay's just, just, Jay's fawning over Jake at this point, and he never mm. even acknowledges the, the the three others in the band, including me. So, mm-hmm. and at this point, at this point, Jay asks Jake just how he goes about writing songs for the Zap, and I lost it. How, what happened? I, I stood up and I pointed at Jake and I said, "This MF can barely sing." Thank God we have engineers who can piece together a passable vocal on this POS. And I'm saying all the words, too. Yeah, no, of course <laughs> you're... <laughs> yeah. And, and I go, you want a bigger scoop? This J.O. doesn't even play guitar on the album. You know why? Because the effing S is D at it. Jeez. I know. I went off. And then for reasons I still don't understand, I took off my frilly power pop shirt, you know, my white shirt. I wrapped it around my head, I don't know, like a turban or something. Maybe I thought mm-hmm. it made me look bibli- biblical. I don't know. A- mm-hmm. And I said, I go, behold your hero, America, Jake the Talentless. Oh, my God. And at that point, I storm off. But I couldn't find my way off the stage because, you know, those shows have these webs of curtains, you know, you can't really figure out. Mm-hmm. So I'm just stumbling around and I'm in a huff and I'm mad and I've got the, the rage vapor. And at that point, Jay looks into the camera, points to me and says, well, what he lacks intact, he makes up for in his ability to not <laughs> to find a door. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty good. I'm sorry. I know yeah. that's not funny Every, to you. Well, I can laugh now. Okay. Okay. You know, but but basically that that was the moment I said goodbye to the music world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's uh, that that that's you. Well, look. You know the the idea of go big or go home. Right. You went big and went home. I did both. Wow, that's that's a, good, that's, a, that's a good memoir title. I went big and I went home. That's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you're you're here to talk about what you're known for. Magic is the thing I'm interested. In. I appreciate all the background stuff, but the magic stuff is what uh, how I know you, Marcus. And sure. Uh, sure. I mean, that's the stuff that is, that excites me. And look, I don't want to. I don't want to know. I'm trying to think. I don't totally want you to just reveal everything. I wouldn't ask you to do that. I know how that works for magicians. and But I am curious about, like, the tricks you do are so 
specific and impressive uh, with, with, especially with like members of the audience, like individual members of the audience when like there's one where you have a personalized message in a bottle that somehow ended up in the hands of the exact right audience member could not believe it. There was one where um, there's a audience member has a box that has like all their personal belongings from home in it. Right. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, I just wanted to know more about it, whatever you can talk about. Well, let's just say there's a reason I only do two shows a week, Tom. Um, okay. Well, what, what, what is that reason? Flagrant research. Flag, flagrant research? Yes. Um, basically, from the moment they buy the ticket until the moment they walk in the theater, I'm doing a deep dive into the lives of everyone who's coming to the show. Parents, kids, pets, work, hobbies, likes, hates, and then set it up so it looks like they're getting the personal message or the personal object by magic. Oh my God. Really? Yes. Well, first of all, I don't know why you would reveal that. Um, But I'm just, I'm, I'm logistically, I'm so curious now about like how, uh, there's like a the theater holds over a hundred people, I, and how are you doing that much much research on that many people at a time? Well, I don't do it all myself. Okay. Um, okay. I, I have I have a staff of forty five dirt finders working twenty four seven to find out everything I need to know about the inner lives and habits of those hundred people who have tickets for every show. Wait, spell it. What was that thing you said? There's 45 what? Dirt finders. Can can you spell that for me? Dirt finders? Sure. D-I-R-T-F-I-N-D-E-R-Z. Dirt finders. Wait, you're involved with dirt finders? No, I'm not involved with dirt finders. I okay. am dirt finders. You are dirt. What does that even mean? You are dirt finders. Well, look, there was a reason I flagrantly glossed over what I did after 2003 when my acting, directing, and music careers turfed. Okay. Well, what what did you do after 2003? I was an FBI agent. Why? Oh, okay. Well, that's no. That's that's just that's very troubling. Well, let's just say I was an FBI agent until I was put on uh, eternal unpaid leave, which I think is basically the Bureau's idea of a sick joke because, you know, if you're on eternal unpaid leave, you can't get unemployment benefits. And that doesn't seem fair, does it? That you can't. This is dirt finders. Yeah. Well, look, I was, I was a great FBI agent, too. I, I loved my work. I loved mm-hmm. the Bureau. Unfortunately, I also loved helping myself to all that cocaine, hydro, ganja, and super clean meth we seized during those busts. 
So if I get this straight, your movie career, your your acting career, your music career, all this falls apart. So then you go and become an FBI agent. You're yeah. getting you're living seems like you're living pretty high on the hog there with the uh reaping the benefits of of contraband that's seized for 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 prosecuting. Well, Tom, I wasn't selling it. I was just using it. That's not allowed. All right. Well, that's what the, that's what the bureau said and my arrest was was almost comical. Um Basically, we, we seized five pounds of Coke during a racketeering bust, and my mouth just started watering. I needed that Krell bad, Tom. So oh. I, I, t- I told the other agents that I had to go give birth to a Sticks fan, but instead of going to the men's room, I went to this costume shop down the block, and I bought one of those old-time top hats, like, uh, you know, like BDM wears in Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And when nobody was looking, I put the block of Coke on my head, and then I put the top hat on my head, and I proceeded to walk out, like, very regally. And, Tom, you'd be correct that one of the other agents did that thing that mean jerks do when they they flip someone's hat off their head. Uh Uh-huh. And guess what everybody saw on my head? A giant brick of cocaine. Five pounds. Actually, it was five, five. Maybe it was like five. There was definitely a few ounces missing from that block if you get my drift. Uh, so, anyway, at that point, the whole room just comes to a standstill. And uh, basically, I was busted by my own agents, and they were so mad at me that they hogtied me and they carried me out on a spit like they do to pigs at barbecues. My God. So weird, so embarrassing, and it was all over the news too. Mm-hmm. Well, well, look, not not that I in any way approve of what you did, but like, why didn't you just hide the coke like in a bag or under your coat? I I guess I thought it was it would just be cool if I did it that way, and truthfully, like I said, I'd already partaken of a little bit of the. Uh, the white lady. And so that's when the, the idea came to me. It just seemed like it would, it would be good. And so I ended up basically doing five years in the hut for that. And luckily my celly was this master magician named the great Marino. And he was such a good magician that he made at least 35 of his, of his female fans lose their life savings. <laughs> so, Oh, so that's, that's, that uh, that's one of his magic tricks, huh? Yeah, basically, that's why he he was in there also. Anyway, so that's where I learned all these crazy tricks. And, and it, it's where I realized I could use those tricks to launch Dirt Finders, my private surveillance firm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, this explains – I mean, well, definitely, it's so much is making sense now. I've been getting these Dirt Finders emails since I watched the special – and I didn't even sign up for any of it. I've never had an interest in dirt finders and surveillance or any of that stuff. But now I get 10 emails a day and it's impossible to unsubscribe. Super frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's extremely are, frustrating. Yeah, people are just furious about those emails, and yet it keeps the name Dirt Finders on their lips weeks after the Magic Show. So I guess you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, well, it's doing it's it's more than emails. There's clearly some sort of virus component to it, where my computer gets very cold, like. It just feels like like it's almost like is this thing frozen and then it'll get then it'll get very hot to where it's like, oh no, there's something wrong with this. It's gonna my computer's gonna burn up. It's almost like it has like a flu, not even a virus. It's more like a flu. Like it's burning yeah, off a virus. Right. Like like, yeah, like my like- computer was getting the cold sweats almost. Sounds like you're. Uh, it's infected by the CompuBomb virus, mm-hmm. which may have been attached to, to the emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, great. I didn't ask for any of this, and I'm. I, I, I guess I committed the horrible crime of watching a television show. You know, but I got to say, it, it, it's now. It feels like this whole magic thing of yours is basically just a way for you to promote your stupid surveillance company. Oh, it is. I fucking hate magic. I mean, these these tricks were so hard to master. I, I, I've pretty much given up any semblance of a normal life to get to this level of proficiency. It's like me, Chris Angel, and Doug Henning's son, Henny Henning. We're the only guys doing it at this level at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'll tell you, if it takes dirt finders to the top of the private surveillance company mountain, then it'll all have been worth it. To the top of the surveillance mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, now, if you'll excuse me, I'm about to do a deep dive into this total freak who's on the permanent email list. He collects these things. They're co- they're called, hang on, wacky packages. That's, mm-hmm. That sounds bizarre. It, it seems like it's all this guy cares about, too. That and writing what appears to be Frank Zappa fan fiction. And, oh, my God. And, and, and oh, my God, he does this artwork. I, I'm, I'm in his computer right now. There's this one drawing that looks like Frank Zappa beating up Jim Morrison, and there's like a speech balloon coming out of Zappa's mouth that says, you're dumber than me. And then there's a balloon coming out of Morrison's mouth that says, well, I think you're dumber than me. Oh, my God. Now the drawings are getting pretty raunchy. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, is that a mustache? Wait, is the mustache? Oh, the mustache. Oh, I, I can't even say what, what's happening here. Oh. Look, I need to take an anti-nausea pill or something before I go any further in this. Mm-hmm. This guy's warped. This guy's warped. But, hey, I'm going to hang up now, but I'd love a favor. Can you play a song in honor of the late, great David Phillips? Who passed away? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Now, I'm yeah, going to get back to this complete F-O-N, which is, of course, freak of nature. All right, great talking to you. And uh, Can you see a name on that person? 
Uh, yeah, let me see. It says, uh, oh, I don't have a name, but I've got an address. It says, uh, uh, it's Mr. Fahrenheit at yahoo.com. Yeah, that's me. Um, that's you? Oh, my God. That's me. Oh, my God. You're looking God. at my computer. I was worried. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, now, now I'm just sick to my I stomach, Marcus. Oh, I, I can't believe you made him do that to him with his own mustache. Nobody was supposed to see that. Ugh. Oh, Marcus, stay away from my computer, huh? Wait, he hung up. The Best Show is produced in partnership with the Forever Dog Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Tom Sharpling and features John Worcester, Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, and Michael Lisk. The show is produced and written by Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Michael Lisk, John Worcester, and Tom Sharpling. The Best Show is executive produced by Tom Sharpling, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. The show is engineered and mastered by Andrew Gleason, website and technical support provided by Martine Sellis, and the show is recorded at Forever Dog Studios in Los Angeles. Support The Best Show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thebestshow, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram over at Best Show for Life. That's Best Show number four, Life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.